We'll intervene whenever we decide it's in our national security interest to intervene. And if you don't like it, lump it. The problem with America is not that we go around marauding around the world imposing ourselves. The problem with America in the last 10, 15 years since the end of the Cold War, really in the last 60 years, is that we've been too slow to get involved. I don't know how many Iraqi civilians were killed, but I can assure you that the number is the absolute minimal that it's possible uh, in modern warfare. Every nation in every region now has a decision to make. Either you are with us or you are with the terrorists. Now, that land over there is yours. You'll go back to it one day because your fight will prevail and you'll have your homes and your mosques back again because your cause is right and God is on your side. Welcome to the darkened hour. In this episode, I'll be reading from a number of primary source material, including the Office of the Inspector General Report, as well as media articles belonging to the National Review and other media accounts of the timeline relating to Shania Steinger, a consular officer at the US consulate based in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. According to her testimony before the Inspector General of the Department of State, Shania traveled from Beirut to Dubai to meet inspectors. She was interviewed on Monday morning in the conference room of the Consulate General in 2000. She, re she related that she testified on August 6, 2002 in Washington, D.C. before staff members of the Burden Committee. She has not been party to any other interviews. However, not the Bureau of Consular Affairs, the Bureau of Diplomatic Security or the FBI have interviewed her about her issuance of non-immigrant visas to 10 of the 9-11 hijackers. Asked about the February 2002 visit to affected posts by CA delegate Gretchen Welch, she responded that Welch had conducted informal discussions about new visa clearance procedures and did not question Steinger about what had happened. Shandia Steiger arrived in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia on July 1st, 2000 to begin her first foreign service assignment. And she had one day overlap with her predecessor whose name is redacted. At post, she learned that Jeddah had a policy of interview by exception for Saudi nationals. She was told that the only reason Saudi Arabia did not qualify for the visa waiver pilot program was because of its strict treatment of American visa applicants. Were the kingdom to be more forthcoming with visa reciprocity for American visitors, it would have qualified the visa waiver program by virtue of the tiny percentage of Saudi visa holders who overstayed or were turned back home by the INS. 
Shania Steiger said a virtual visa waiver program for Saudi citizens on those rare occasions that a Saudi applicant raised specific concerns and was not clearly approvable, would the applicant be asked to appear for an interview? This often resulted in the foreign ministry phoning the consular general or the consular section chief to ask why a person appear, why a personal appearance was necessary. She showed us a copy of the Riyadh 2000 02002, which made mention of the general inapplicability of Section 214B to Saudi nationals. Her biggest visa challenge, she said, was non-Saudi applicants or third country nationals, otherwise known as TCNs. Under the Visa Express program, TCN applicants were also interviewed by exception, but they were required to submit supporting documents with their applications that Saudis were not, and TCNs were interviewed much more often. Saudis were asked to submit only their passports and applications. No evidence was required to support claimed socioeconomic ties since all Saudis were presumed to have such self-evidently strong ties as to need no proof. Saudis apparently were unable to cope with working hard in the US and invariably returned home to their easy life in the kingdom. Saudis were dismissed without an interview and told when to pick up their visas. Only a handful were called back for a personal interview. All TCN applicants, on the other hand, were interviewed, even, Steinger added, those who were probably eligible based on their possession of previous visas. In the early fall of 2000, two consular officers at the U.S. consulate in Jeddah, Shania Steinger and David Hinn, argue over the eligibility of Saudi citizens for U.S. visas. The consulate had instituted a policy of aggressively interviewing young Saudi males in the wake of the 1998 East Africa bombings due to terrorism concerns. And when Hin arrived in Jeddah in, the, in August of 2000, the consulate was still interviewing a significant percentage of Saudi visa applicants and all first-time students. Hin will say to officers that officers are suspicious of Saudi citizens who are from locations where they know that extremists live and who only had a vague notion of where they are headed in the United States. Some of these applications were left unanswered or that the applicant himself would not know who they were meeting while they were going to the United States. And in addition, officers at the consulate think that because of trouble in the Saudi economy at the time, Saudis perhaps should not be getting visas almost automatically. Therefore, Hin denies a significant percentage of Saudi visa applicants, as well as third country applicants, the TCNs, that Steinger, who works full-time on visas, and deals with most of the Saudi applicants 
takes a different approach and instead issue visas to almost all the Saudis who apply for one. Despite the obvious terrorist concerns that had previously been known to U.S. officials in Jeddah, Steinger will later say that she is never really afraid of Saudis and never makes the connection between the known presence of Al-Qaeda members in Saudi Arabia and the possibility that the Saudis applying for visa are terrorists. Steinger believed that Hind is denying Saudi visas for what she would later call the wrong reasons. And they would both argue over this over the fall in the fall of 2000. And later Hind is even rebuked by the consular general in Riyadh for his high refusal rate. But nevertheless, Hind does not change his practices. On September 3rd of 2000, Ahmed Al-Ghamdi obtained a visa from the U.S. consulate in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, using a passport that is only 13 days old. It appeared that he was not interviewed. The visa was issued by Shania Steinger. Ahmed Al-Ghamdi was a future 9-11 hijacker. On September 4th of 2000, Saeed Al-Ghamdi obtained a visa from the U.S. consulate in Jeddah. The visa was issued by Shania Steinger. Saeed Al-Ghamdi would later get another visa using a different passport, which was also approved from Steinger. Later, the 9-11 Commission will say that one or possibly both of his passports may have fraudulent features presumably related to travel stamps, although the commission is not certain of this. His application was approved by Shania Steinger, and he too was involved with the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks. On September 10th of 2000, Hani Hanjour applied for a US tourist business visa at the consulate in Jeddah. Hanjur, who already spent a good meal, a deal of time in the US as he was a student at the University of Arizona in 1992. His application is incomplete as he says he is a student, but fails to give his school's name and address. After his application is screened, he is referred to a consular office for an interview. This consular officer is Shania Steinger. Honduras' application is denied, as he says he wants to stay in the United States for three years, raising concerns he might be an immigrant. Honduras also says he wants to attend a flight school in the United States, changing his status to student from tourist after arrival. However, this is another reason Steinger denies the visa application because according to her, he has been in the States long enough to decide what he wanted. Hanjur will return to the consulate two weeks later and successfully obtains a visa from Shania Steinger using a different application. Now, Steinger will later give a series of conflicting explanations about why she reversed her decision and issued the visa to Hanjur. 
after the 9-11 attacks, it uh, later came out that a former consular officer named J. Michael Springman will say that while serving in Jeddah during the Soviet-Afghan war, he was sometimes pressured to reverse denials of visa applications by the CIA for Mujahideen applicants. And for those who don't know about uh, J. Michael Springman, I would suggest uh, reading his book, Visa for Hijackers. Hani Anjur was involved with the September 11th attacks. On October 24th of 2000, Walid and Wael al-Shari, who were using new passports obtained three weeks previously, obtained their tourist visas to the US. The visas are issued by Shania Steinger. Now, the al-Sharis made several errors in their applications, which should normally lead to them being rejected. They only give their employer's school address as South City, and the address they will be staying at was Wasentown, although they do not specify whether this is the city or the state. They also uh, say that they would stay in the country from four to six months, although it is unclear how they would support themselves during this time as it's not in the application. And on Wales application form, Steinger doesn't even bother to complete the section on checking the applicant, uh, whether the applicant had um, necessary funds. But in addition, the Alshedis say that they would arrive in the US after two weeks, presumably meaning two weeks after the applications were filed. However, according to the 9-11 Commission report, Walid would arrive in the United States on April 23rd, 2001, and that whale would arrive on June 8th, 2001, and that they appeared to receive their visas on the same day they applied for them. And later on in their commission report, the 9-11 Commission will say that their passports also may have had fraudulent features, presumably relating to travel stamps. And again, like, like with Saeed al-Gamdi, although they are not certain. On October 28, 2000, Mushahab al-Hamlan obtained a US visa from the American consulate in Jeddah, along with another individual by the name of Ahmed Al-Nami. Al-Nami's visa is issued by Shania Steinger. Al-Nami's application is also incomplete as he lists his occupation as student, but does not provide a complete address for his school. He also gives his address as Los Angeles and writes that my friend Mohashib will be traveling with him. Now, the 9-11 Commission will later suggest that Al-Nami's passport also may have contained fraudulent travel stamps associated with Al-Qaeda. Although, again, they are not certain. His application is also approved by Shania Steiger and Ahmed Al-Nami was involved 
with the 9-11 attacks. On November 12, 2000, Ahmed Al-Haznawi obtained a U.S. visa also in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. His visa is approved by Shania Steinger. Now, as Al-Haznawi may present the passport with fraudulent travel stamps, and he also does not fully complete his application form, leaving a blank address of his school. He is not interviewed, just like the rest. They are not interviewed. Um, the 9-11 Commission will also suggest that his passport may also contain suspicious indicators of Islamic extremism, although they are not certain. On June 12, 2001, Saeed Al-Ghamdi obtained a U.S. visa from the U.S. consulate in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. His application is made through the Visa Express program using a passport issued two days earlier. His visa is issued by Shania Steinger. Now, in his application, Al-Ghamdi lied, claiming that he had never been, he never before applied for a U.S. visa when, in fact, he obtained one the previous year, also from Shania Steinger. Now, previously in their applications, Khalid Al-Midar and Ahmed Al-Nami made similar false statements on their visa applications at around this time in, April, in June. Although Al-Nami corrects his application, the information about his previous visa is available at the consulate, but it isn't accessed as consular workers do not usually examine previous visa issuances, but only refusals. And the 9-11 Commission will later speculate that he lied on purpose to conceal the previous application. The Commission will also suggest that one or more of Al Gandhi's passports may contain fraudulent features, but they, like the rest, they claim that they aren't certain. On June 13th of 2001, Khalid Al-Midar obtained a second U.S. visa from the U.S. consulate in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Now, his visa is issued by Shania Steiger, and this is a real strange one because Khalid Al-Midar should have been on a terrorist watch list by the CIA for the CIA knew about Khalid al-Midar in 1999 because he went to a high-level Al-Qaeda summit meeting in Malaysia in January 5th of 2000. The CIA and the NSA knew this and should have put in Khalid al-Midar and Nawafa Hazmi, who was also present at the meeting, on a watch list, but they did not do it. Now, when Khalid al-Midar, because if that was the case, Khalid al-Midar would not have had access to his U.S. visa and he would have never entered the country. However, the first time around was bad, but the second time around is even worse. And al-Midar's passport, which was issued two weeks previously, lacks an expiring date, but, but it did contain an indicator of possible terrorist affliction, affiliation 
used by the Saudi authorities to track suspected radicals. And his application is also incomplete as it lists his occupation as businessman, but does not give his employer's name or address. Now, his form, which is submitted through the Visa Express program, meaning Al Midar is also, he is an interviewed, contains not one, but two lies. One, Al Midar said he never received an American visa or traveled to the United States. Whereas he did receive a visa in 1999 and traveled to the US in 2000. Even though the NSA and the CIA knew that he was an Al-Qaeda affiliate and that he went to an Al-Qaeda terrorist summit meeting in Malaysia in January 2000. Two, Almeida's first visa was also issued by the Jeddah Consulate, through which the CIA sent radical Arabs to the US during the Soviet-Afghan war, like J. Michael Springman said when he was working there. Now, consular officials could discover that he is lying, but information about prior visas issuances is not automatically displayed to them. Almeida also lied that on his application, he was actually a student and he never was. On June 18th of 2001, Abdulaziz Alamari, now, and also by the way, Khalid Al-Midar was involved with the 9-11 attacks. June 18, 2001, Abdulaziz Alamari obtained his US visa from the American consulate in Jeddah. His visa is issued by Shania Steinger. Alamari's application is incomplete as he lists his home address as the Al-Quds or Al-Quds Hotel in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. He too is not interviewed as the application is submitted by Atar Travel as part of the Visa Express program. Furthermore, Alamari leaves blank the fields for his sex, his wife's name, and his school's address. Although he says that he's a student, he claimed to be a tourist, that he wants to stay in the country for two months, and that he will first stay at the JKK Wynum Hotel. Now, the 9-11 Commission will also say that Alamari's passport also contained fraudulent travel stamps in which it was known to be associated with Al-Qaeda. On June 20th, 2001, uh, by the way, Abdulaziz Alamari was involved with the 9-11 attacks. Salim al-Hazmi on June 20th, 2001, obtained his US visa from the consulate in Jeddah. Now, just like the rest, there are some problems with his visa application, which is submitted through the Visa Express program. The application is incomplete. Al-Hazmi gave his occupation as an employee. Now, Steinger would later write that this, does, this didn't concern her because Saudi Arabia is a rich country. <laughs> his passport is also only four days old. 
and also on his passport, it contained a suspicious indicator of Islamic extremism placed by Saudi intelligence in order to track him. However, his application was approved and he too was involved with the 9-11 attacks. In all, Shania Steiger approved of 12 visas relating to the hijackers of September 11, 2001. Now, according to the Inspector General report, Jeddah consular staff believed that they were a little tougher on adjudicating NIVs than Embassy Riyadh. And during the summer of 2001, the section chief, whose name is redacted on the Inspector General report, was on home leave. So Shania Steiger was working alone. All told, she had issued about 20,000 visas during her tenure at Jeddah. She routinely worked until 10 p.m. to catch up on the large number of visa applications. Nevertheless, Steinger wanted to continue Jeddah's practice of interviewing first-time Saudi applicants for student visas. And during the busy summer, Steinger worked very hard doing four to 500 cases every day. She said that she had no time to look beyond the name and the date of birth on the visa application forms. She also knew that some of them were incomplete, but believed that this did not matter because the Saudi applicants were eligible for visas under the Visa Express program in any case. Furthermore, the INS didn't have access to those applications anyway. So that would mean that the Immigration and Naturalization Services, if they wanted to do a vigorous background check on those entering the country, they didn't have access to the applications because if they saw that these applications weren't complete or suspicious, they wouldn't be in the country or have access inside the country. It did not matter exactly which hotel they would stay in the United States. And Steinger said that the Consulate General Baltimore was a good boss and supportive, but knew little about consular work. And he didn't interfere in consular section policies. And the person that she is referring to is um, Consul of Baltimore, who worked at the uh, Jeddah uh, Consular Office. Now, Steinger also would report that there were no travel agency programs used in Jeddah before Visa Express, and only Saudis and their national airline, Saudia, which is headquartered in Jeddah, and the Saudi government used a drop-off system for submitting applications. So that would mean that those 9-11 hijackers, none of them were interviewed because they dropped off their applications, meaning that they used the national airline headquartered in Jeddah as a drop-off system. 
So that would mean that either they personally dropped it off or somebody dropped it off for them. There were no other personal appearance waiver programs. And most individuals walked into the consulate and dropped off their applications. However, Saudi applications were dismissed and TCNs were interviewed, third country nationals. Steinger would later tell the inspector general that she was opposed to some of the details of the Visa Express program, which was initiated on June 1st, 2001, but not for reasons related to terrorism. She felt that Riyadh embassy imposed the Visa Express program on them. She also believed that Riyadh made the program mandatory because the consulate general in Riyadh, Tom Fury, had excellent experience with a similar program in Mexico. The program also eliminated the need for interviews of first-time student visa applicants. She also felt that it was a, a bone tossed to the Riyadh RSO, who is becoming concerned about the security threat posed to the post by the large crowd of visa applicants. Now, also submitted to the Inspector General report interviewed interviewer by uh, Shania Steiger, referring to the hijackers to whom she issued visas without an interview, Shanger said that upon reflection, she had decided that even if she had interviewed them, she would more than likely had issued the visas. Mentioning the incomplete applications, she stated that those applications could have been sent back for completion, but that would have changed nothing. They would have returned completed and the same visa would have been issued. Now, a statement was made in October 2001 that henceforth, there would be a zero tolerance policy for incomplete applications to Saudi posts. Well, of course there would be because the September 11th attacks happened. That should have been the policy before they even happened. The question is why? Steinger also felt this proved that there was no such policy beforehand. Passing applications back and forth until they were completed satisfactorily did not seem to be, in her opinion, an efficient use of scarce human resources. She mentioned that one time, a couple planning a tourist visa to the United States misspelled the purpose of their trip on their application form as terrorism. And Steinger called the husband in for an interview and the error was corrected. Steinger also said that she reviewed the visa applications of the terrorist hijackers and recalled that there were no direct hits in the class lookout system pertaining to any of them. Now, that would have been the case for Khalid al-Badarno al-Fahazmi, but the CIA never watchlisted them. And the other Saudis who were acting as muscle hijackers they were never put on a terrorist watch list because nobody knew who they were. They never tried to get into the United States except for Hani Anjur, who was actually a, st a student at the University of Arizona in 1992. Speaking of the one terrorist that she did interview, Hani Anjur, Steinger 
said that he struck her as a typical middle-class student applicant who was not well-connected. She said the cases of Saudis she tended to that fall into one of three socioeconomic classes, and many of the male students were in the middle. No matter which of these three classes they fell into, however, Saudis were exempt from the requirement placed on third country nationals to provide supporting documents, such as certified letters from employers and bank statements. Steinger also believed that the fact that Saudis were told to apply without supporting documents confirmed her earlier statement that Saudi Arabia was a virtual visa waiver country. She later would assert that all a Saudi needs to prove is that he is a Saudi. Hani Hanjura was interviewed because he requested a three-year stay in the U.S. on his visa application, while a normal request at that time would have been a maximum of only two years. Now, when she was finally interviewed by the Inspector General on this report on January 20th, 2003, all in all, she said that she was hardly ever interviewed by anybody at all. And that this was her only second interview about what had happened. The first was being uh, the congressional testimony in August of 2002. And she actually was surprised at this. She also said that it didn't matter that all the hijackers visa applications would have been approved even if the applications were incomplete because she said that the Visa Express program was allowing these people to come into the country. And that she blamed this on Tom Fury at the Riyadh uh, embassy. But there were other competing arguments saying that Steinger was acting on orders of the CIA, although this is not confirmed. She also criticized David Hinn, the other consul orpers, who was being critical of her regarding her high approval rate. And after 9-11, Steinger wrote a cable saying that nothing has changed at the consulate in Jeddah and that she was criticized for this after the cable was leaked to the press. Now, in the months after the events, it bothered uh, Sandra Steiger that there was no such confusion and inconsistency in the mission and department statements about whether or not anything had changed regarding visa adjunct adjunctation policies. And in the immediate aftermath of the 9-11 tragedy, the post at Jeddah was told not to change its procedures. But when the US press picked up the story that nothing had changed, which was based on the cable that she had drafted, like I said before, the Jeddah Post was chided by the consular officers for making the department look bad and also the State Department. And of course, Shina Steiger said that after September 11th, she felt worse about the visas she was still issuing 
than she did about the ones she had previously issued to the hijackers. And the hijackers clearly appeared to be non-eligible given the policies and procedures in place before September 11th. But after September 11th, she said she found herself continuing to issue superficially similar cases. And there's a lot of mystery behind Shania Steinger and how very little she was interviewed by any agency or press and that her closed door testimony and her oral testimony to the Inspector General Report at the State Department is the only interviews that she's ever done. Now, whether we want to believe that the CIA was involved indirectly with Shania Steinger's case, we can make that distinction from a previous incident in history. And like I, I mentioned before, the CIA was involved with the Jeddah Consular Officer J. Michael Springman in regards to visa applications to Afghan and Arab Mujahideen who were fighting against the Soviets in Afghanistan. And while they were coming inside the United States, many of these people were given their application, their applications were approved, even though just like the hijackers, they were incomplete. J. Michael Springman also gave an interview to Guns and Butter on February 2nd, 2016, in which he talked about the problems regarding the consular officers in Jeddah and the CIA being involved with approving applications that obviously should not have been approved. And one of the reasons he wrote the book and came out and did interviews later was that he wanted to highlight the problem of these visa applicants who would, some of them would be involved in terrorist activity or being involved with terrorist organizations, which were approved by the Central Intelligence Agency. And when he was asked by Bonnie Faulkner of Guns and Butter, when she asked Springman, with regard to some of your experiences in Jeddah, didn't you discover things yourself going on there that the US government itself wasn't even aware of? And Springman would answer yes and no. When I was in Jeddah, I was getting some really strange people on visa applicants and later found out they were sent to me by the intelligence services. 
But in one instance, my ability to make contacts and talk to people brought in a major revelation. The Saudis beginning about 1988 have been very much interested in buying Chinese-made silkworm missiles. These were intermediate, intermediate range ballistic missiles. I was going out to dinner with some Europeans one day and they came over to the house for a couple of beers before we went out. And this guy said, well, you know, I'm working down at the port and you know, these Chinese silkworm missiles. And I said, yeah, where they're bringing them in, they're uploading, they're unloading them and they're moving containers around to block the sight lines. As luck would have it, the air attache was down from Riyadh, and I called them the first thing the next morning and told them why I had gotten from the fellow. And he said, that's news to me. I'm not down here about this. I came down to do the scuba diving. So he went and got pictures taken either through a satellite overhead imagery or through a flyover with a reconnaissance plane. And the National Security Agency hadn't heard about it. And the CIA, Karen Sushara, the case officer whose diplomatic cover was political officer, she didn't know about it. The State Department secretary for the Consulate General, who had once, once worked with the CIA, she was mad because she had come in on her day off and write the cable concerning about this. As a footnote, Karen Sushara is now deputy chief of mission in Sana, Yemen, and she's working with her husband, Michael Ratney, who had also been a consulate general in Jerusalem and is now American ambassador to Syria. So they're keeping terrorism and warfare in the family. And that's what he said. Regarding the case of Shania Steinger, When she was giving applications, approving applications to applicants who shouldn't have been approved, she didn't blow the whistle regarding this, unlike J. Michael Springman. Now, when Springman was denying these applications, in which, just like David Hinn, who complained about Shonda Steiger approving applications when they shouldn't have. Bonnie Faulkner asked Springman, you complained because you were being overruled when you denied visas, right? Who did you complain to? And Springman answered, I complained first to Justice, Justice Stevens, and Justice is the given name. He was head of the consular section. I complained to Jay Frerers. I complained to Stephanie Smith, who I have since found out is a CIA official. Now, a little bit of background about Stephanie Smith. Stephanie Smith was the person who approved the applications that Springman denied. Springman went on to say, when she was counsel for consular affairs in Riyadh, she told me, this is a very bad thing, what you're doing. When you go back to Washington, tell the Bureau of Consular Affairs about this, which I did, and they had absolutely no interest. 
once I was out of the State Department, I complained to the Government Accounting Office, also known as GAO, as it was known at the time, I complained also to the Justice Department and to the Federal Bureau of Investigation. They told me after September 11th, after I called office, after office to headquarters, to call the Washington District Office. And when I did, they said, we'll get back to you. That was 15 years ago, and I'm still waiting. And of course, the conspiracy is that we could assert that the intelligence services, the CIA, could have wanted these people to come into the country and take advantage of the fact that they're going to engage in an act of terrorism and then take full advantage. We can also speculate that the CIA could know beforehand that an attack is taking place. For example, they could be monitoring a certain subject or an organization. They could be conducting signals intelligence using the National Security Agency as the conduit for that. Or they could be doing signals intelligence on their own, but they would rather go through the NSA. But going through the NSA means that they may not get all the information. As history would attest, a lot of these agencies like to hoard the information and not share it for whatever reason. And that that is the job of the intelligence services, to collect information. Now, who is to say that the Central Intelligence Agency regarding the 9-11 attacks allow for these applicants to be approved, have them come into the country, knowing full well that they're going to engage in an operation like September 11th, and all they had to do was allow these people to be successful? In other words, have them come into the country, without any background checks, don't allow to, for the FBI to become aware of them in the country. And we already know that happened. As I've done video after video, and I even dedicated a podcast relating to the CIA intentionally withholding information from the FBI and the State Department about two Al-Qaeda operatives, Khalid al-Badarno-Wafazmi, in which you could listen to that podcast about Carl Levin. We could speculate, and these are reasonable speculations. And we have to be careful regarding these speculations, and that's all they are. But it seems very convenient that those who are given and approved for these applications, that some of them would engage in terrorist activity. And that if Shanja Steinger was very much like Stephanie Smith working maybe indirectly with the CIA, that history tends to repeat itself. And that much we know is true. That is the end of this episode of The Dark and Dower. I'm your host, Adam Fitzgerald. See you in the next episode.